right now, we are taking a look at an upcoming health meeting, and that is going to get underway starting tomorrow, talking about everything from federal health funding transfers to spending by the provinces, the delivery of health care services. And public health advocates are talking about what they hope will be discussed during the health minister's conference, which again is happening in Vancouver starting up tomorrow. So we wanted to talk about one issue in particular that is raising some concern, and that is the idea of plasma for sale. Usman Mushtaq joins me now, a coordinator with the BC Health Coalition. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Uh, this is what I know there are a lot of topics that are going to be front and center and are going to be discussed during the health minister's conference. But can you talk a little bit about some of the concerns you have, specifically when we're talking about plasma and the sale of plasma? Absolutely. So um, recently, the Canadian Blood Services, which is uh, the body here in Canada that, that operates uh, and collects uh, blood and plasma, uh, donations, signed a 15-year agreement with a for-profit international pharmaceutical firm called Griffles to collect plasma, uh, which were, you know, which is which is basically a, a, a pay-for-plasma scheme. Uh, now, I, I want to stress that here in BC, there's actually a legislated ban on practices like this through, uh, which is, and the legislation is the Voluntary Blood Donations Act, um, although it's not clear yet uh, from uh, from the from the government whether uh, how this how this deal will impact BC and and what uh, uh, what steps BC will take to enforce um, what is what is in our legislation already and and I know there are other jurisdictions like like you said that do take part in not only plasma for sale but also paying for for blood donation what are the bigger issues there or why do you think that is such a bad idea Absolutely. So uh, a couple of reasons. Uh, one, the first one is that uh, a pay for plasma targets uh, the most vulnerable and, and the poor among us. Um, in fact, Griffles, uh, which is the pharmaceutical company that uh, the Canadian Blood Services have signed a deal with, uh, has a, a documented history of having plasma and blood collection sites uh, across the U.S.-Mexico border where they'll literally take uh, you know, folks from Mexico and buses up to those collection sites. Um, and so, you know, and, and uh, you know, if, if we allowed pay for plasma here in Canada, we'd see a similar uh, targeting of the most vulnerable and poor among us. Uh, the other concern is that um, there's, there's studies that show uh, pay for plasma schemes uh, actually uh, impact, negatively impact voluntary blood and plasma collection. So uh, if we allow for pay for, uh, uh, if we allow for pay for plasma schemes, um, we're, we're actually reducing voluntary capacity uh, in the voluntary system. So overall, yes, we might be increasing uh, capacity on one end, but we're decreasing capacity on the other end. Um, and, and so we're not, we're not necessarily adding more capacity. Um, the third and, and kind of final thing I'll mention is that we do have documented ways of increasing voluntary blood and plasma capacity, such as building more publicly operated collection sites. Uh, in fact, we the, the Canadian Blood Services is opening up a centre in Abbotsford in spring of 2023, um, and um, 
there's 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 actually 11 sites um, sort of across the country uh, that are supposed to open that that should add about 25% capacity to our uh, plasma and blood uh, collection system. So, so there's ways to do it within the public system, um, and and but this but this deal with this private for-profit companies is heading, you know, is making us head in the opposite direction. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. So, when you talk about capacity and that by going ahead with a pay for plasma uh, system, that that actually takes away from voluntary capacity. How would that work? Because wouldn't there be if if someone's going to volunteer uh, is a voluntary blood donor, I wouldn't imagine that's going to change because there's also a system where people can can donate and get paid for it. But but would it not be the capacity? the storage capacity in general, that's whether or not uh, Canadian Blood Services has storage capacity. So if there is an increase, they've got a place to store it? Yeah, so, so uh, sorry, so what I'm, what I'm talking about is, is just the, you know, if we, if we have a, sort of a dual system for collecting plasma in the sense of, you know, I say, for example, I'm a person who wants to donate my plasma, I can do it voluntarily for free, or I can get paid what, you know, I might choose for, for whatever reason, I might choose, okay, I, I actually want to get paid uh, to, to donate plasma. And so, of course, I'm going to go, you know, through that route um, instead, of, instead of voluntary collection. Um, but that, you know, over the long term, what, what that's doing is, is decreasing public trust in the, in the voluntary donation system um, and leading us over the long term into, into decreased uh, collection levels in that in that voluntary system, right? But if it's then increasing it to because people are shifting to the paid model, uh, does it matter kind of where it's coming from? Isn't the goal to make sure we have supply of of plasma and blood? Yeah, so I would say it does matter where it comes from, and, and, I, and I mentioned in one of, one of the one of my earlier points that in in places where we allow where pay for plasma is allowed. Um, we see that that folks, you know, who are more vulnerable, who are poorer, um, you know, end up being targeted in these schemes. You know, I, I mentioned the the U.S. Mexico, uh, you know, border collection sites that are targeting, um, you know, vulnerable folks. And so, our, you know, the the blood and plasma um, are yes are are being are being collected. But it's an important question: who are who are they being collected from? you know, and what are the circumstances that that collection is, is occurring in. And so where does it stand right now? As you mentioned, this is something, and I know that there was some some pushback from groups like yours and some others against uh, Canadian Blood Services when they signed this agreement. But where does it stand then in Canada as far as where people are or boosting the national plasma supply with the paid donations? Yeah, so there there is a legislative ban for uh, against that in, here in BC as well as in Ontario and Quebec. Um, and what we're hoping, you know, the the health ministers, the federal, provincial, and territorial health ministers are meeting this weekend, and, and we hope this is on their agenda that these that these bans, uh, you know, that other provinces uh, put into legislation similar bans, and that all the provinces, including BC. Um, you know, uh, enforce these bans, um, you know, especially in the face of this deal, um, because as I mentioned, you know, this, this has grave uh, impacts on our, on our voluntary donation system here in Canada.
All right. Uh, we'll leave it there for today. Uh, Usman, thank you so much, though, for joining us and talking about this in advance of the Health Minister's Conference. Thanks for having me on, Joe.